Hi guys, today we've got a bit of a, a legend by all accounts. I've known this guy for a while, um, very experienced in the business to business world, entrepreneur at heart, um, multiple businesses founded and run, grown, sold at the front end, helped develop products at the back end and all the things in between as well. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Tom Anderson Dixon. Morning. How you doing? You all right? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, keeping well. Good, 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 good. So I'm liking the um, the picture in the background, mate. This is very, uh, very nice, very nice setup. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was from a friend actually. She um, she painted it for us. Oh right, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. She called it the wave, I think. The wave, very good. Or the very surge, good. I think it's the surge actually. Oh okay, all right. A bit like your personality then, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Tom. Tell us all about yourself, mate. What's um. Obviously, you've come on here for a reason because you're going to add loads of value to the people listening um, and watching. But uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell us about how you got started, first of all? Um, I um, I know your story, but it's going to be better coming from you because yeah, you're a bit more exciting when you deliver yeah. stories. Yeah, well, um, I guess my story started probably at quite a young age. Um, so I was always interested and fascinated with um, buying and selling uh, different things and kind of entrepreneurship, different ways to make money, I guess. And, um, you know, at school, I started selling England car flags to corner shops uh, on my lunch breaks. Um, I think I, I was going around saying I, I worked as a rep for the biggest independent uh, England merchandise company in the UK. Um, but the truth was I was just buying them on eBay. Um, but, you know, kind of started doing that and then, um, went into university, didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. But I always knew that I wanted to, to be in business. So I went to UE Bristol and studied business entrepreneurship. Seemed like a pretty good thing to, to study um, and really enjoyed it, actually, and really enjoyed all the different modules and um, different elements of it. And um, during that time, I uh, went to Marks and Spencer's on a placement year. And uh, that was where I came across my first kind of bright idea, uh, which was um, sticks, or as it was called at the time, squash sticks, where I noticed everybody bringing in bottles of squash, taking them to the water cooler in the canteen and um, making a squash. Could be old deers, could be young guys. Um, and I was making a coffee with a pot of milk at the time, one of the little jigger pots. And I just nudged my boss and said, hey, we should put squash into these little pots and then people can have them at the water cooler. Um, he thought it was a terrible idea. <laughs> back down to menswear and um, it was something that really played on my mind um, and then as you know um, went back to university um, kind of finished off my degree got a first class honours degree in uh, business entrepreneurship went back to M&S and, and that's where, where we first met and um, that was always playing on my mind so kind of took the leap to, to start the business and set that up um, was very naive at the time kind of didn't understand the market thought that they could just boil the water out of the squash to make it more concentrated. The reality is it actually starts as a powder. Um, and we launched the first ever single portion of squash in a sachet. Um, super concentrate, tears and pours into water to make a drink. Um, and, and we've grown that business um, to multiple products. So we now have things like a, a vitamin drink um, and um, working on a few other interesting products. So uh, got that and then during the pandemic, um, got involved with um, supporting different distributors and 
uh, governments and you know councils, things like that, with um, different items for medical and consumables. Um, and then more recently, I've been involved in helping food brands export over uh, to China of all places. Okay. Um, so we're, it's been a, been a very interesting 15 years probably um, since uh, since I all started out in the in the world of business. That's amazing, mate. I mean, I've, I've obviously watched most of that journey and, and been cheering you on and um, seen the highs and the lows, and it's been incredible, really, what you've done off your own back. Um, I think you touched on something just now that uh, is quite interesting, is, is naivety, I guess. Um, mm. Do you think that helped you out in the beginning? Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably one of my, my biggest pieces of advice for anybody starting a new business is just to crack on and, and get going. And being naive is actually quite good because if you're in a if you're in an industry, you're kind of bound by those rules and that structure of the industry. And well, we can't do that because this is the reason why. But when you're naive to an industry, you can kind of ask those questions: why? Um, or you can you see a way to do something and you, you go ahead. And obviously, there's pitfalls with that because you can make some of the obvious mistakes that people could probably make if they had that experience. But it's also a benefit because. Um, there's certain times when you can you can just challenge those norms and um, I think that can be really beneficial in the business environment. Absolutely I, I think I've seen it as well I mean I've seen it countless times in, in sales and business development and all the things wrapped up in that even in at the top of the funnel in marketing as well where by people will put walls in place which they believe to be true or the industry mm. says that's how it works and all of a sudden you find people have boxed themselves into this way of thinking and yeah. um, not really pushing forward because they think there's a wall in the way. Um, whereas I think, I've, well, you disrupted the, the drinks industry, right, at a very young age. So um, obviously you've, you've bashed through walls where there were the likes of, you know, um, everybody knows who Robinsons are and Unilever and yeah. people like that um, who drive all the big brands um, with something that now is seen everywhere, if that makes sense. It's it's. What you, yeah. what you came up with inherently isn't that complex, is it really? I know it's been quite challenging to start and get the operation yeah. side of it right, but you kind of, you ran through walls you didn't know existed and you were selling to people with problems that um, you were addressing a problem, but you kind of dismissed all the things. It was just noise, I guess, along the way. Yeah. Um, do you think that helped you out in terms of getting orders in and getting revenue flowing into the business? Yeah, I think that having that naivety, that passion as well for you can see it a certain way it, it can be quite challenging where because people you're selling to you're selling a concept or for sticks at, at least it was we're selling a concept no one's ever done that before mm. so you're not saying take that product and replace it with this one because it's cheaper in terms of price or it's a better quality product you're selling an innovation um so the naivety of thinking oh this will be easy you know i think when i started i thought oh this should be in every single hotel bedroom with every single water cooler, it should be on every single airline to give people choice with bottles of water. It just makes sense to me. But um, then it can be challenging because you've got to change somebody's mindset. And a lot of people in the industry or buyers, they might have a fixed mindset. Um, but there certainly are some benefits to, to being naive into an industry and uh, being able to then push forward and, and sell your products. How, how did you get people's attention? Because this is, when was this, as you said, about 15 years ago? It's a different yeah. world now, obviously, but... How did you get yourself in front of some of the, um, we, we won't name companies, um, but uh, you obviously, you've dealt with some of the bigger companies in the UK and, and bigger yeah. service organisations as well um, with Sticks. Um, so getting 
So there's one thing changing people's mindset, right? But yeah. the other thing is, and is getting a to influence all the people that change the mindset, which is not always one person, right? That you're selling to, um, yeah. and B is is Tom Anderson Dixon in his early twenties coming yeah. out with all the energy, a brand new concept, some early branding and early prototypes, etc. How did you selling into big businesses? Yeah. Whereas yeah. essentially it was your brand and they're just going to be selling that on for you as a reseller or as a, a distributor or as a retailer or mm -hmm. as a service. How did you, how did you get their attention? Yeah, I think there's a few key ways really. One is, and you know, this is something I, I use today is, um, using people within their network to get an introduction uh, because you're then coming from a trusted source and it's not so cold. Um, and they, I feel people, if I introduce somebody to you, you kind of feel like, oh, he's been introduced to me by Bob. I'm friends with Bob. I need to, um, I need to have a chat with them. So that's one way. And then the other way was just simply utilizing all the different tools in, in the marketplace, LinkedIn, um, calling people up, emailing people, research, lead generation, trying to find who is it I need to speak to in an organization. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, just constantly contacting them, um, trying to offer a solution to their problems or find um, find ways that the product would fit for what they do. So we supply it to a lot of distributors. So um, one method we do is um, a distributor, essentially, they buy your products, they sell them to somebody else, but with a suite of products. So it's going past the distributor. I call it threading the needle in a way. Um, and, and if you think of the customer as the needle and the distributor on the other side and you get the, the customer to want the product. So then they say, right, I only use these two distributors for my food service products, for example. Um, great. We can deal with them. No problem. But you want it. Go to the food distributor and then say, Bob wants it. Um, this is how much, much volume he's going to use. This is kind of, they can, they're, they're more, more than happy to, um, to list the product usually if the volume's there because their customer wants it and what they want to do is satisfy their customer so it's maybe sometimes not going to the to your customer it's almost going to the end user of the product to create the demand and then um, pulling it through the needle so to speak that sounds um you make it sound very simple but it's very complex right you've got you've got end user essentially marketing and demand creation there um, yeah. and then you've got stakeholder management in your distributors um understanding who's who who's going to send you purchase orders who's going to yeah win your stock who's going to sign you from a technical point of view um as well as who's going to account manage i guess um mm. the, the client that you've been speaking to at the end as well that sounds it sounds like it could be potentially quite a long sales cycle as well in in some circumstances is that right was it quick was it slow yeah it, did can, you... it can take a long time as well because you know sometimes a distributor might not want to list a product just for one customer so what you might have to do is go and collect a lot of customers and then go to them and say here you go there's 10 people that want the product list my product with your within your your catalog your system um and sometimes they might say no you know no there's not the volume there or we've got too many products to manage or i only have 50 products i can have in my category i'm already at 50 um so it can be quite difficult and and finding the right people the right customers because sometimes the customers just want something easy so do they really want to champion your product 
um, and say, yeah, let's get it into the distributor, or do they just want to pick something off the shelf that, that's already there? Um, so, so that can be difficult. And as, as we've mentioned, the lead generation of trying to find those customers and um, those end users, it's easy to say, I'll go and go and find an airline or I'll go and find some schools or a hospital, but actually who in those locations, those organizations do you need to speak to? And that can be quite, quite tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, from our point of view, from um, a bright side point of view and for all of our clients, the, the first step is always, always in the data, right? Or the research, yeah. the target market, um, you know, the total addressable market is interesting to know and it's great to have good ideas on who you want to go after, but really understanding the ideal customer profile and the additional influencers within those customer profiles as well. So you mentioned before um, the buyer, essentially, would probably have the, the big decision. Um, but I imagine there would have been an account manager. There might have been a category manager. There might have been some technical people as well where you've got to yeah. influence, right? Essentially, it sounds like you were doing a lot of lobbying basically to create demand yeah. and create decision. Um, and of course, um, I know you're very skillful at your, um, uh, what can we say, convincing people um, yeah. and, and um, painting a picture with concept and story, which is you know, an art form. Um, but ultimately you've got to know who you're chatting to, right? And yeah. um, I'm sure you'd be addressing, you'd be um, almost segmenting down your approach um, to each of those. So I'm sure, if you were going after food distributors, you probably were going after all of them, I imagine, to start with. Um, yeah. And you probably had a few different playbooks that you would bring out, whether it was consciously or subconsciously. You yeah. knew if you were going to talk to the buyer, you'd go down with this approach yeah. um, of, of trying to get their attention first and foremost, and then your sales pitch, I guess. Um, yeah. But then if you were talking to um, the stock controller, for example, you'd be, you, you might adapt that to slightly different proposition for them so you, you start to solve each of the team's pain points or kpis or whatever you can leverage with them yeah i think it's as with anything in life you know whether you're it's business or i'm speaking to my partner jen as to why she should do something for me um you know we're always selling but it's also it's addressing those pinch points as you say for those people um does a stock controller really care about um, this is going to hydrate people. No, but what you what he does care about is we can deliver within two days. Um, you know those different things. So actually, what do they care about? And then tailoring your pitch to them so they're they're positive, um, or they're ticking the box basically from their internal organisation, as you say, lobbying them. Um, so then he says, yeah, I'm up for this product. You've then got the buyer, and you say, look, I've already got you loads of people here. Um, I'm going to give you a good price or for them really is it probably about margin um, and for us to be able to say we're an innovative product um, you can you can make this level of margin and it might be higher than what you currently make on a competing product um, so there's that and I think it is always different with different products so if you're selling a commodity or if you're selling uh, you know face masks in the pandemic then there was a high demand for that product and people just need uh, need the product, but they also want the best price. So that's yeah. a simple product to sell. Or if you're selling, you know, some other commodity based products, then they can be traded all on price if the quality is quite similar. But then if you're trying to sell something that's quite innovative or different, then that can be a really difficult sell because you're not just trading on price. You've got to convey the benefits 
to the to the end user and sometimes the middleman, um, and that can be a lot more difficult. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how how have you done that? In because everything you've done, from my knowledge, has been has been innovative, right? It's been addressing a problem that's already in an industry. Mm. You've already identified the demand because I know you're you're all about that. But you, every time you've come up with something or taken something to market, it's been different to a point. Yeah. Yeah. Or it solved a particular problem within that market. Um, is that just you sat there one evening and ideas just pop into your head, <laughs> or is there is there um, a little bit of uh, strategy to it? And then how yeah. do you take it forward? I'd from say there's probably a bit of both. I think there's always ideas coming through, flying through your head, and thinking, you know, we could do that, or why does it do, happen that way? Could we change that process or bring in a product? Um, but then I think you can you can have that idea. It's then actually so many times I've had ideas and then years later i think i had one when i was going through university and it was all about recruitment and student recruitment and actually i'm applying for all these jobs and for everyone i do uh, you know i do a numerical test a verbal test a logical test then i apply for john lewis i do the same i do the same for wreck it Benkiza. actually having a website that that i just do those tests one or, th or one to three times gives me an average score um and um that gets shared out with the different employers um, and then I think it was about three years late, three years ago. So, um, you know, over 10, 15 years, um, I see that somebody's actually doing that. And it's been really successful by because it saves the students time and it gives the, the employer um, better candidates. Um, yeah. So I think sometimes it's actually you come up with the idea and then you've got to move forward and just say, I'm going to do it. Um, yeah. And you can get a gut feeling, I think, about things sometimes and you can can drive your own passion by thinking this really works, but then you have to validate it in terms of having a look at the market, analyzing the market. One of the simple things is talking to people, would you buy this product or what would you pay for this product? Um, and sometimes we can be bound by our friends and family and we can speak to them about it. They might not be our customer. So we always need to remember, actually, I might say, would you buy this product to a friend or family? No, I wouldn't, but then, they're not going to likely be the customer I want to target anyway. So getting out into that customer space and speaking to people um, that would potentially be customers. And now we can do that on social media. It's so simple um, just to ask questions. You know, on Instagram, you can ask a question. Would you buy this? What would you pay for it? What would you use this product for? Um, and just seeing what people's answers are. Um, and then you can kind of formulate where you should go and quickly validate a market, um, yeah. whether it's something that you want to move forward with. So, you, so you validated market then um, on in each of these these instances. How uh, you start your research of who you're going to target, right? But Tom's only got um, twenty four hours a day. He's got to sleep. He's got to eat. He's got to um, walk his dog and look after his kids, etc. Um, how do you, how do you manage your time with that in terms of you, you you can't spend all your time researching, right? You can't spend all your time prospecting, yeah. approaching people. Um, how, how do you do that? Because then you've got to keep in, implementing and, and operating as well, haven't you, and, and innovating products. Yeah. How do you keep all of the, the pillars um, balanced? Um, well, that's something I always struggle with, to be fair. Um, so it is, unfortunately, working long hours. Um, but then, um, and it's always something I'm continually looking at, it's, it's, a way, it's almost how do you stay focused and how do you identify the key things that you want to do? Um, so... Um, 
you know, I've tried everything. I've tried supplements for, you know, neurological focus. Um, they didn't help. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I uh, you know, try VIT sticks, obviously. Um, but um, I think as I get older, it's probably you realise actually you can't do everything. So um, you have to identify kind of the top three things that you want to do that day. Mm -hmm. um, and, and almost what's my main goal for today and what's my main goal for this week. Um, and I've actually, I've just got a, a really good planner called Clever Fox, um, which basically you, you put in kind of your weekly goals, what I want to achieve this week. Um, and then each day you, you write in, this is my main goal for today. These are my top priorities. And then you break down hour by hour what you're going to do. Um, cool. And I know for somebody digitally minded like you, uh, you, you probably have something similar on, on the on app or the computer. But just writing it down um, and identifying three things. And I found that to be to be really useful, actually, because it kind of I've got a to do list. I think I've, I've got a to do list on my computer. It's about three pages long. Um, and actually, I just identify these are the three things I have to do today. Um, yeah. And you can feel quite accomplished and it kind of kicks you forward because you feel motivated that actually I've achieved those three things. Um, so it's doing that yeah. um, and identifying kind of the, the daily goals, really. Um, but then I, I think also outsourcing things is is beneficial or finding the right people within your organisation um, at the start. Yeah. And it's still something that I, I'm trying to improve on is actually delegating things. Um, I yeah. like to control things, but which sometimes means that I will end up just doing it because um, I want to take control. Like, um, you know, I'm renovating a flat at the minute as well. I've got somebody painting and the other day he was doing it, but I felt like he was doing it too slow. So um, <laughs> I took the paintbrush and I was painting it myself and he was just stood next to me with the paint pot. And then it was just then I was thinking, I'm paying this guy to hold a paint pot for me <laughs> because I can do it quicker and better. Um, so it's it's about delegating that. And, um, you know, that could be somebody in your own organisation or finding a specialist, um, a company, for example, like Brightside to do your lead generation um, and understanding, actually, I'm maybe not the best at lead generation or finding customers. But what I am really good at is speaking about my product and I'm really passionate about it. And no one knows my product like me. So if I can get the right people in to push the right right customers to me, then I can probably sell my product a lot better. Yep. Um, so it's working with the right partners as well, which I feel has really helped in the past. Yeah, I 100% um, agree with you on working with the right partners and also relate to the whole control element and um, you know, you've got a vision of how you want something done or you think that you know how to do it the right way and so you just get in and get involved, which I think is a part of probably mindset and the, you know being business leaders and that's what kind of what gets you going to start with and then you've got to realize actually you're bringing people in um to do a job and they're going to do it better than you anyways despite what you think yeah um because then that's why you hired them and you've got to kind of trust that that process or you've hired a partner you've got to trust that process um and we we uh, a lot of our clients come back to us in, on bright side whether it's on lead generation or whether it's on kind of the inbound stuff with content creation and, and podcast creation and that sort of thing where they'll say actually I'm having more and more meetings and more and more face-to-face um, -face and I'm doing the thing that I'm good at I'm talking about my business I'm taking them from they've already got well, I know they've got interest they they already know who I am so they're warm they're high quality and they're yeah. having decent a, a decent hour 
with somebody or half an hour with somebody to to move them forward from yeah. being a qualified lead or a interested um, person from seeing content marketing qualified lead through to being an actual customer rather than spending five hours on that person trying to nurture them trying to build yeah. a relationship da, 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 da. so it, it might um, not be something they enjoy either that's one of the key things all the business owners I speak to, I, I don't really enjoy it, but I feel like I have to do it. Yeah. Actually, no, you don't have to do it. You get somebody who's better at it that enjoys it and knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's uh, that's it's it's something easy to say, isn't it? It's very hard to implement. Um, mm. I mean, I think recruitment's incredibly hard. It's getting harder at the moment in terms of getting the right people um, yeah. coming inbound. Um, and of course, it takes a few months realistically to know how somebody. Um, somebody interviews a lot differently to how they they actually are in real life, and that's a real skill set. Um, yeah, I think we, you and I would agree that businesses are actually organisations of people, um, and then product and service, etc. Yeah. Um, if you've got the wrong people, you you end up with the wrong service essentially. Um, so, how how do you go around finding? Um, maybe not necessarily recruitment, but if you're outsourcing or recruiting, either or. How do you, where does Tom start in terms of, okay, these are the right people to support me? And I'm saying that hopefully people listening to this, if they're not in a position to recruit people, they can see how they might be able to, um, how can I get my colleague to help me or somebody um, externally yeah. to help me? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think in the first instance, it's about mapping out what does good look like and what does great look like. And what do I want to achieve? And being very clear on your KPIs, um, and that's that's for yourself, but that's also for whoever you take on as well. Because if you can be very clear to them to say this is what good looks like for me, and this is what great looks like for me, you're telling them very clearly from the offset, this is what I want. And then finding that partner, it's about getting referrals from from friends or people that have done it. Um, reviewing different companies but having meetings where you can chat to them and say what is your approach how would you do it um yeah. or maybe having a chat with them to find out what would they do before you you take them on and taking them on over yeah. a, uh, like a trial period but then um once you've got them clearly setting out this is what i need to achieve for example i need to sell four cars in order to pay for your service so you need to be selling five cars or six cars. So you're paying for yourself and you're paying for, for my wages or my staff's wages or, you know, my office, whatever it may be. Um, just clearly identifying what it is you need to need to achieve. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's all, yeah, it's all about communication, isn't it? Basically, hmm. clear, clear, um, clear objectives and, and expectation management, essentially. Um, yeah, well, that's all around. Excellent. OK, so. Um, I picked up a quote from you saying, um, change is inevitable, yeah. growth is optional, okay? Um, which I've got a plain wall behind me here, so depending on this uh, explanation, I might get it printed in front of me. <clears throat> um, do you want to tell us about that? Why, why have you got that um, publicly next to your name? Yeah, um, well, I think life changes, doesn't it? And, um, you know, whether that's technology, um, I was, on Instagram this morning watching um, videos of kids from 1995 talking about the internet um, <laughs> and it's come a lot come on a long way um, but um, everything we look at and everything we do kind of always changes and evolves um, yeah. and everything's always changing and moving 
um, and we need to embrace it. Um, so I think change is inevitable. Things are always going to change. You know, I've got a little bit chubby. I'm probably going to get chubbier. Um, but it's whether you whether you decide to grow and embrace it. That's that's optional. So change will happen to you, but growth is actually optional for you. So you can sit there, you can do nothing, um, and change is going to happen, and you can decide not to grow, or um, you can learn new skills. You can go and experience new things. You can decide I'm going to grow. Um, so for me. Um, I love another quote, which is, will it make the boat go faster? And with, with everything you do, sometimes I catch myself to say, will this make the boat go faster? Am I doing something that's going to drive me to where I want to be? And yeah. sometimes I can be, find myself doing something, a social media post that actually, that's not going to get me any customers. What am I doing that for? Sure. Um, but um, one of my ma main fears really is not achieving my full potential. Um, you know, and I yeah, feel like... Yeah, probably fear is not achieving your full potential when you're when you're eighty or ninety. You know, looking back and thinking, "Oh, I didn't achieve my full potential there." You know, in life, I I didn't actually. I could have been a lot better. I could have been a lot fitter. I could have done a lot more there. Um, but I didn't want to change, or I, I was stuck in a rut. I was just happy plodding along. Um, so That's I think it's it's you know it's only through things like that that you can push yourself to to achieve your maximum your full potential it's a really interesting way of looking at it, actually tom like um yeah having the fear of not reaching my potential is 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 incredible how, how do you that can um that needs balance right because i know you're very yeah. driven like and you go 110 miles an hour um at 120 percent of what's possible um yeah how do you keep that balanced um I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll sit on the sofa and watch Netflix and scroll okay. through my phone like everyone else. Um, but um, I think keeping it balanced is about about planning out your day, um, but being very clear on what it is your goal is. Um, also, I think reviewing your, your goals or what you wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and I know some people are for goals, some people are against them. Um, but actually sometimes I've, I've found, felt myself thinking, oh, you know, I've not really done a lot here. I've not achieved what I wanted to achieve. And then actually there was one, one instance I can remember where, um, I was on my computer and I saw a goal that I'd written down from a year before and I thought, Hey, I achieved that. Um, That's and it made cool. me feel better going back and actually reviewing actually, yeah, that thing I wanted to do, I did that. Um, so I think how do I manage it? Um, it's about trying to achieve balance, like you say, trying to stay fit. It's not all about work and money. It's also about family, friends, experiences, um, staying fit. Unfortunately, I've just had a knee operation, so that's out the window for a little bit. But um, I think those things actually also help you propel in your work and your business career as well. Yeah, Spending time with your family and your friends and, and experiencing new things. It's good to take your mind off things. I think doing activities like skiing or um, playing football, anything that's cathartic, um, where you're not focused on always ticking your mind along, yeah. um, that balance actually helps helps you propel anyway. 100%. Um, 100%. So it's probably still figuring it out, the whole balance thing, but um, just making sure you always have time, I guess, in the week for um, other people and yourself. 
time to recharge. Yeah. And one way is, I guess, to I always sometimes think think of yourself as an athlete. Does Cristiano Ronaldo always go out and play football? No, he takes some time. He rests. He eats good food. He focuses on himself. Um, so kind of trying to trying to emulate that. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that, that links back to a lot of the things you've already mentioned as well. I'm sure Cristiano Ronaldo's got a team that he's probably realised that nutrition is better to get a chef, right? Um, yeah. He's probably got probably a lot of assistants, but he's probably got an assistant to run his diary. He's probably got a manager, or well, we all know he's got a manager to um, um, uh, make sure he's doing what the team needs, but also a social media manager and all the people that are specialists that... Um, you know, whilst whilst I'm sure we can all agree, Cristiano Ronaldo is um, what can I say, quite a confident chap, and can probably believe in him, believe in himself in a lot of different yeah. ways. He still has the ability to go, okay, do you know what? If I'm going to excel here, I need to outsource. I need to get people in my team. I need to to think smart rather than think busy, basically. Yeah. Um, about it. So that's cool, right? Um, I knew you'd get Ronaldo in there somewhere, Tom. Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> um. Uh, so uh, that's great. I mean, uh, the the I guess the guests that we had on um, before this recording, actually, Tom, um, a guy called Brad Burton was telling us all about momentum, basically. Yeah. Um, and how actually in any element of business, whether I know you've started, you've made product, you've you've started operations, you've also um, done, <coughs> stuff, but it's all about momentum, right? It's all about getting one foot yep. in front of the other. Um, what would you What would you say around that? Um, I, I think you already touched on it with your with your calendar and how you you know set your three priorities yeah. a day. Um, have you got anything where, you know, if you if you 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 wake up in the morning, right? You've got a diary, half a diary full of appointments, but you got to go and create some new business. You got to go make some calls, or you got to go and do something that you don't necessarily like doing. How do you mm-hmm. kickstart? Yeah. Um, I think he's really right. It is about momentum. <clears throat> sorry and um moving forward and and doing the things that you don't want to do and it's actually just reminding yourself that um not everything is perfect and not everything in in business having your own business working for somebody else um is things that you want to do um you know to say cristiano ronaldo i'm sure he doesn't like, enjoy leg day in the gym like the rest of us but he knows well i have to do that because that helps me get to where i want to be that helps me be faster that helps me score goals um so it is just just making sure you do that and i think there's a famous saying isn't it kind of eat your uh about the frogs is it um eat that frog yeah um and do the things that you don't want to do first so sometimes i will write what are the things i don't want to do let's get them out of the way because that also helps propel you with that momentum um because you feel like well i've done that now it's time for the easy stuff um and you feel like, okay, I've achieved that. You're not waiting for it in anticipation. Yeah, excellent. Excellent stuff. Well, Tom, I'm conscious of your time, so thank you um, for, for all of that. Um, it might be worth us having another session at some point um, yeah. in the future. Um, I think uh, given where you are right now and um, you know your experience in the B2B world, I think what would you say to the sales leaders out there at the moment? Um, what would you say like the number one tip is from from Tom, given you've gone multiple times from zero revenue to um, multiples of revenue, um, and you basically spearheaded that um, yourself to start with, um, what do you say to those sales leaders in terms of your top tip? 
Yeah. Um, top tip probably is going back to that quote: Will it make the boat go faster? Um, always to think about: Am I doing something that's propelling my business or myself forward? Um, and actually, if I'm not, okay. So what am I going to do? Do I get rid of this task? Do I give it to somebody else, or do I outsource it? Um, and we always, always must remember, I think, as a business leader or, or somebody running a business, just asking ourselves, um, kind of the elephant in the room, you need sales. So asking yourself, if I go to that meeting, is that going to actually get me sales? Um, am I going to pay for the mileage to go to that meeting as a result of it? Or actually, no. Um, or any task that you're doing, um, kind of breaking it down. I try and break it down into how many units have I got to sell as a result of that action to yeah. pay for my time and my meeting, but also you know generate the income that I need to generate. Um, so then it's kind of working out, okay, yeah, so if I go to that meeting, I need to sell 50 boxes of our squash sticks, for example, then I know, right, that's what I need to achieve. Am I likely to do that? Um, and then always linking that back to, does it make the boat go faster? So. Um, I think that's the, the key quote from me, really, to always remember and always ask yourself whatever you do. I think you should change your um, your growth. I think I'm going to have to change it now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Can you make the, <laughs> does it make the boat go faster? I guess um, I think we, we I've used the term, um, does it push the needle forward? Which I think it's very similar, isn't it? Is, yeah. Is that action going to get us a step forward? Um, I, yeah. I like the idea of the, does it push the make the boat go faster? Because... Um, that's momentum as well, right? You've, you've got resistance in water. I can see where you're coming from, mate. It's a beautiful analogy. What, yeah, what? well, it, it's a, it, I think it was from the British rowing team. I can't remember the, the famous rower. Um, I think it was a German chap came over and the English team were terrible. And that was kind of the quote, will it make the boat go faster? And then the, the team kind of found themselves, actually, should I go to that party on a Saturday night? will that make the boat go faster? No, it won't. So I'm not going to go. And everything they did um, was all tailored around, will it make the boat go faster? And then, um, then they, you know, they, they went on to be very successful. Um, and it is, that's all, that all leads into that focus, really, that laser focus of what am I doing? Is it achieving, helping me achieve what I want to achieve? Yeah, that's awesome. Tom, I think we should, um, I think we should end on that high note, that, that wisdom. Yeah that wisdom so um tell us mate where can where can people find you and get in contact with you um i would urge people to look out for tom's posts etc and um reach out to him but where can we get you tom yeah best place probably linkedin um quite a friendly chap on linkedin so if you send me a message i'll likely respond um so tom anderson dixon uh, on linkedin's best place brilliant tom thank you very much mate thanks for your time Cheers, um, thank you very much. Enjoyed I'll it. See, I'll see you soon and hopefully we can get you back on the podcast. Hey guys, really hope you found today's On The Bright Side podcast interesting and full of business-to-business -business sales and marketing advice. If you like what you hear, please head over to our LinkedIn page for more free content. And, of course, feel free to connect with me, Robbie McGregor, or any of my My Bright Side team for the latest news, advice, or even a quick friendly chat. Until next time, stay on the bright side.